Welcome to Hold Up, the podcast where we watch our favorite rom-coms and decide whether they hold up. I'm Carrie Gilbert. I'm Allison Gilbert. And this week we watched Something New, which came out in 2006 and stars Sanaa Lathan and Simon Baker and Blair Underwood as kind of the three main people, I would say. A man who knows a lot about interracial dating because he was the only black man ever on Sex and the City. (laughs) Yes. He is beautiful um so allison what were your predictions for this movie um i predicted it would hold up um because i had remembered seeing it as a teenager i haven't seen this movie since i was a teenager in my early 20s but i really liked it as a teenager and also it was written by a black woman and directed by a black woman and so i was like oh they probably have a better insight into writing a story about a black woman than most people and also, they're probably just, like, smarter and uh, better at writing rom-coms than most men. Uh, that was my that was my assumption. Uh, yeah, what were your predictions? Same. I thought I had really remembered liking this movie. I felt like I was going to still like it. Um, I feel like the conversations that are happening in this movie, I think, maybe would be happening in a little bit of a different way these you know, yeah, it feels like a little four, bit 14, 15 years later. Um, but overall, I felt like it held up. I also um, this was a nice palate cleanser after the complete lack of chemistry and as good as it gets. <laughs> the chemistry between Sanaa Lathan and Simon Baker in this movie is like hot. Much more believable. <laughs> we should say before we get into it, it is written by a woman named Chris Turner, who is also sort of a prominent TV writer and directed by a woman named Sana Hamry. So good job to them. Yes. Um, and it has a 61% on Rotten Tomatoes, which feels like a little low, but right. You know what I mean? Like I'd bump yeah. it up to like 70%. Yeah. I mean, this movie is not without its issues, but overall I would say this is, a very good movie and a very good rom-com. And one thing that you mentioned is that it's written and directed by a woman, uh, two, two separate women. women, two women. And that comes through acutely in this movie. You can, and we've talked about this before, but you can tell, particularly with the direction that this movie was directed by a woman, the movie is largely, f- the point of view is the female gaze. So in the sex scenes and the scenes leading up to the sex scenes, even just in scenes where we're kind of getting some like POV from um, Kenya, who's played uh, Kenya is the main character. She's played. That's Sonali Thin's character. Like when we're getting kind of like her perspective, it's all about like female gaze and female thirst. Like we get to see like her desire, her need for physical intimacy, um, and I think that that is really rare in a rom-com unless it's being treated as a joke. And right. here it's not being played for laughs. It's genuine and um, and valued. Yeah, it's interesting. At the, in the last scene, um, John Ratzenberger is there and we haven't seen him in the entire movie. And he's like, I, he's like clearly playing Simon Baker's father. Um, but he's also like a pretty famous 
character actor so it was sort of like he he's not like doing this no line part like clearly there was something that was cut out we got and i was like that's correct we don't actually need simon's backstory or life we don't care about it this no. is a movie about kenya and from her perspective and so good call on cutting the like and i was just related to what you're saying it was like oh this is her story this is not either of the men's stories. So that's why this famous actor who clearly played his father is there at the end and nowhere else. <laughs> um, yeah, I was like, wait, I'm sorry. Did it, is that John Ratzenberger? Is that John Ratzenberger? Like, did I just imagine that that's him? But no, no he it sure is was fully him. Um, fucking nowhere. <laughs> um, we should say this movie is about a woman named Kenya who is very, as as all women are in all rom-coms in 2006, focused on work. She is committed to her job where she's an accountant. It's never clear. An accountant? No, an accountant. She's an Okay, accountant. it she's is clear. Like I'm a, an idiot. She's like a, in a pretty like prominent firm representing like companies doing like acquisitions and mergers. So like very like high level there's, complicated shit. There's a lot of like talk and it, you can clearly tell she's very good at her job, but I don't understand any of it because I don't understand yes. <laughs> mergers and acquisitions anyway. And she's like up for partner at this very white firm and she's uh, overly committed to work and doesn't take enough time for her. So on her like Galentine's Day dinner, which I guess it's just Valentine's Day because this is pre that episode of Parks and Rec, her three friends are like, you got to let go and let flow and just start living your life. And she takes that to me and I should start having sex with my landscaper. <laughs> well, I think the other thing is so like she comes from um, a very like prominent black community, like all of her friends are highly educated professionals. Her parents are highly educated professionals. Her brother is a highly educated – like, everybody is, like, lawyer, doctor, accountant, judge, like, X, Y, Z. And her family is wealthy and they um, – Very high expectations. Yes, very high expectations. And so – Very tough mother played by um, – Alfred Woodard. Thank you. Um, so – she starts dating her landscaper. So she's dating a white guy who does not have sort of like a suit and tie desk job um, as her, as they kind of, that's how they kind of describe it. So there's two sort of things going on with her relationship with this man. Um, what did you think of Simon Baker? Look, I have a lot of pent up anger at him because of what he did. To Miranda with Jacqueline Foley. <laughs> Oops. I'm sorry. Oh, right. The Devil You're Wears right, right. Prada. Devil Wears Prada, yeah. I, like, only know him as the mentalist and this movie, I feel I'm like. sorry, Carrie. Have, do you not watch regularly The Devil Wears Prada? No. I thought about it while I was watching it, and I was like, it's going on the list because there's romantic, there's romance in that comedy. Now that I go out The that Devil is, Wears Prada. That is a stretch. <laughs> but go on. Um, no, I like Simon Baker. He's very much not my type. I made a note. I was like, they found not only a white man, they found the whitest white man. He is fully like blonde hair. Like he could be in a movie playing a white supremacist. Like he is very white, very blonde, very pale. I think he's like British or Australian in real life. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um. Which is, like, intentional. 
you know, you don't want to be able to mistake him for having any ethnicity at all. <laughs> um, but I found him endearing. So I like, you watch it and you're like, well, Blair Underwood is significantly more attractive. She should end up with him. But then you believe it by the end. And, you, and it's, you know, I like a man working in some dirt. I like a man making a beautiful garden with a fountain for her. I also think that it's a testament to the acting in this movie because Sanaa Lathan and Blair Underwood have zero chemistry, which is they're supposed to have zero chemistry. Yeah, they're they're working to not have chemistry. Like, and so I think it's a testament to their acting that that comes through because I feel like whenever I've seen Blair Underwood play opposite any other woman, like, he he exudes, like, sexual attraction. And in this movie, I was kind of like, ugh. It's also written well, like, their conversations are a little more stilted, like, yes. cutesy things he says to her, like, she doesn't respond in, in turn, like, it's just, there's, like, the different relationships are well written, so that, that, like, I think helps give uh, Sonalathan and Simon Baker more chemistry than the two people we're not supposed to be rooting for, mm-hmm. and it feels, it's, Like, a really well-written of, like, everything about... Because, like, Blair Underwood plays a lawyer, and so, like, a suit-and-tie guy he's referred to, and he's also sort of, like, comes from, like, upper-crust black society. Like, everything her family would want for her. Um, But, so as perfect... And, like, is perfect on paper, but obviously, spoiler alert, she's in love with Simon Baker. Um, So I think it's also a testament to the writing, which is, like, the subtleties in writing, the differences in those relationships is done very well. Mm-hmm. And so in the end, you're like, run back to that white boy in the dirt, girl. Well, and even like her family, like the people around her, her friends and family start to say that. And because the writing and the acting is so good, like when when the exposition starts to tell you that their relationship is more obviously love, you like as the viewer believe it because you've already right. been shown that, which instead of like being like, you're telling me this, but she has a I? very <clears throat> at the dinner with her girlfriends in the beginning. And we should say her girlfriends. One of her girlfriends is played by um, uh, an underused, pre-famous uh, Taraji, Taraji P Henson. Yeah, Taraji like pre- Taraji isn't even the main friend. Like she's like the second tier friend. <laughs> no, she says like maybe four lines. <laughs> like they're funny. Yes, but yeah, There's a- she. This is definitely like um, before like her breakout. Um, there's also, like, a joke at the end of, the, like, the wedding scene where she's, like, dancing with Donald Faison, who plays Tarashi P. Ensign's, um ch- ch- brother. And I was like, yeah, the I want these to, I want the, this rom-com. Like, this this is funny. <laughs> yeah. They're, like, the comedic relief, those two. Um, the other friend is played, there's one played by a woman named Golden Brooks, who, like, has a face I recognize, but I can't point out from what. And, like, her main friend is played by Wendy Raquel Robinson, who I I think she was in the TV show The Game, but I most know her as uh, one of the fellow contestants in Miss Congeniality. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Um, and that's, like, her closest friend. And so at the beginning, this, this dinner between these four girlfriends, um, at the beginning, uh, she, like, has this list of things she wants from a partner, and, like, the joke is that it's, like, so long and so, like, too, like, too much. And I'm like, this list seems reasonable. Yeah, there's an extent to which, like, Kenya's supposed to be, like, super uptight and buttoned up. And she needs to, like, kind of, like, relax and let her hair down. 
But I, I literally let like, her hair. She will literally get her weave removed at some point. <laughs> I was kind of like, I don't know. I like Kenya. She seems to know who she is. Like she seems to know what she wants. Also, her list was like, and like honestly, like Simon sort of, except for being white, because like on her list is she wants this is her IBM, her ideal black man. Uh, other than being white, he like is educated. Like he went to college and was like an ad copywriter, and then decided he didn't like it because on her one of her things on her list is like educated, has a good. Jo- she doesn't need him to be rich, but she'd like him to have a good job, which is like I, that's on my like. I don't need you to be rich, but I'd like you to enjoy your work and like have ambition. And the couple other things that I'm like, this isn't a wild list, and also like he fits all except for being white, he fits all of it. Like mm-hmm. he makes a comment about she like. Later, uh, as they're, like, sort of starting to flirt with each other, uh, she makes a comment about him being a uh, not a good businessman because he didn't get money from her up front. And he's like, yeah, I'm I'm giving you special favors because I have a crush on you, basically. And then he's like, I've been running a successful small business for six years. And I'm like, that checks the box you like there, Kenya. Yeah. That's a man yeah. with a good job. There was a little bit of a stretch with, like, he's not, like, yes, he's not a suit and tie guy. Like, he's, quote, unquote, like, doing manual labor. But he's running his own business. Like, we're introduced to him because he's done this yard at this incredibly wealthy family's home. He's done their backyard with, like, this, like, huge, like, mountain or, like, fountain staircase motif and stuff. Like, in real life, like, those kinds of landscape architects are enormously wealthy and doing great well, for themselves his company and there's even a line later where she's like why are you here and he's like because i want like he's going there to work on her job because he likes her he's like in any other job he'd be sending his guys <laughs> right yeah um uh, yes they meet because her uh one jewish friend that so it's like four black women that are friends and then a jewish woman <laughs> Um, that they all are friends with, but is never out to drinks with them, is getting married. And so they meet it. Actually, she's set up on a blind date. This is her, like, best work friend. Yeah. And then, and she doesn't, and she, like, gets freaked out by the date. Um, there's some line that's, like, be careful of those internet dating things. Like, it can be dangerous. And I was, like, it's 2006 because we don't right. subscribe to being afraid of that anymore. Um, but anyway, then they, like, meet at her friend's engagement party. And it's a nice, like... It gives a nice structure to the movie because then you have all of these events. Like there's a, it's not a wedding movie, but it's like very, a very like loose wedding thing in the background where we have all these events where we can see each like, other at because yeah. they're both connected to this family. And, and like kind of like we get a timeline back to like where we are in this engaged couple's journey, even though right. I like could not tell you their names. They are so inconsequential. I already cannot picture what the man of the engaged couple looks like, except like he was tall and had brown hair. Like... Yeah. The woman who plays her friend who's getting married is like very funny. And you see her in the beginning, like being like, I got like, we got to set you up with a guy. Like she's doing a very sort of like fun, funny thing, but there's not like a ton there. (laughs) No, Um, no. She's doing like, she's very much sort of like the plot device in a rom-com. That's like, let me find you a man. Let me get you married. She is often the role in most rom-coms where the main characters are white. She's the role that's played by a black woman. And in this movie, she's uh, pl- like being the white best friend. Yeah. Which I appreciate that like, like this movie is very black. Almost everyone except obviously Simon are black people because that's what the story is about. And then you have this like white best friend serving the purpose that in white rom-coms like the black best friend would do. And I right. don't know if that's intentional, but I liked it. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. That's a good point. 
And then, like, her other friends are, like, well, not really the doctor, Tarashi P. Henson, but the other, her, like, closest friend is. They're, like, more fully formed characters. Yeah. And she falls in the, like, her most prominent best friend falls in love with Mike Epps, and I always appreciate a Mike Epps performance. Yeah, he's good in this. Um, yeah. He has some, uh, her name is Cheryl in the movie. We should just start calling her Cheryl. Um, and, like, there's a nice, so, like, they meet at the engagement party because he's, like, the omelet chef or something. Or, like, the, I don't know what he's cooking, but he's, like, the cater chef. Yeah. At, and, like, she thinks he's cute and goes starts to flirt. And then they obviously, like, fall in love and by the end of the movie get engaged. Um, and at one point she says, like, would you ever have seen, like, imagine that I'd end up in a man with an apron? Which, again, he's a chef. Like, he's not. Like, our bar for good jobs is, like, he's probably not super rich, but, like, that is a good and or hard job that takes training and skill. (laughs) He's not, like, I don't know, doing an undignified job here, (laughs) even by your all standards. Um, But, like, she's just sort of the representative, like, look, I gave up my, like, some of my ideas of what I want out of a man and ended up with this really good man who I love. This movie, this is, we'll get back to Simon Baker, but this movie was just shot beautifully. Um, I, we talked about how it was very much shot with like the female gaze in mind, which was kind, always kind of refreshing because we get that so rarely, particularly in rom-coms. Um, but it's also just like beautiful. Um, yeah. I mean, we're in a lot of like lush scenery because we're dealing with landscaping, but then there's like a scene where she goes... Kenya goes to see a dance performance with her family. And um, I think you said last week when we were setting up that we were going to do this movie, that the director, a lot of her experiences in shooting music and directing music videos. um, And that came through in that dance scene. I mean, her, like her ability to highlight dancing and bodies and portray, um desire and all of that like in um that scene was really beautifully done and again it's also obvious that like the the people involved in this movie are black because they are highlighting black bodies and faces and makeup and fashion in um a really well done way like they're all lit beautifully i was just uh looking up to see if that was correct because i don't remember saying that and yeah it's a lot of a lot of TV, actually, some great movies. This, Just Right, and The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, too. <laughs> uh, a lot. Great movies. Great. Um, and then a lot of music, a lot of Mariah Carey music videos, Destiny's Child, Eight Days of Christmas, some Common, some Jay-Z, some India Re, some uh, Prince. Uh, oh, Prince Live at the Aladdin Las Vegas. Okay. But yes, like, I think you're right. Like, I think. Mm-hmm. It's very clear. And also, like, there's a scene at the beginning where she's going. It's like when she's first meeting him on the blind date and she's clearly at a, um, a Starbucks in like a black neighborhood of Los Angeles. And there's one where like some guy who she know I don't forget, like it's either not well explained or I miss like how she knows this guy. But he's like, meet one of my friends. And they're all kind of like not appealing looking men to her and there's this like these like weird close-ups of all the men and like her like scanning them up and down like would I be interested in this person no blah 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 and it's you know it's a little objectifying of men which we need in rom-coms but it's also like the direction is like funny and quick like yeah 
uh, and teaching us about her character mm-hmm. and like a very that she's like judgmental of men, which again, she's a catch. So be judgmental of men, Kenya. <laughs> yeah, right. I applaud you. Get it. Um, I was going to say, like, this movie made L.A. look like an appealing city, which I always think is <laughs> what has, you know, you have to be a good director to make L.A. look beautiful. There's some sweeping shots of downtown Los Angeles and like her, the house she's bought like overlooks is like up in the hills, but then overlooks the city. It's really beautiful. Um, and yeah, the landscaping is great. Landscape well, and then they go hiking like up in the mountains. I have to talk about the hiking scene. Neither of those people were dressed for hiking and it drove me crazy. Yeah. Do men hike in jeans and do uptight women hike in khakis? Because that's what that like both both of you need to put on some athleisure. I feel like in 2006, athleisure, like, wasn't quite a thing yet. Shorts, at least. Like, wh- she is fully in, like, a, a collared shirt. And I get we're learning about her character. <laughs> She's uptight. I get it. But a white collared polo and khakis. And even him, who is supposed to be, like, outdoorsy, is in jeans. Yeah, but I think, like, the point with him is he just, like, casually takes off for a hike in the middle of the day without, like, really thinking about it. Like, he just is a spontaneous guy, whereas she's not. And He's so he no brings that out. Jeans. Sure. He brings that out in her. Um, I honestly, so I think Simon Baker is a very handsome man. I enjoyed looking at him. I think their chemistry is fantastic. And so that, to me, like, sold the relationship. I was a little turned off by his character. He was a there little. There were a couple times. Yeah. Like Finish. even like some of the interracial dating stuff aside, like just the way he like he talks to her is. A, like I was kind of like, I need you to stop. He like when he barely knows her, like he has just started working on her project. He's like, I need you to relax. Oh, no. He says you need to relax. Yeah. Like, bold. You know nothing about this woman. Um, and then he says something to her about, like, her house being all decorated and beige. First of all, I thought her house was beautiful. Decorated beautifully. Was I did um, like when they added color to it. Fair. But, like, also, like, she didn't hire you as her interior decorator. She hired you as the landscaper. So I do. I, like, she gets more bohemian in her style as the as she gets loosened up by this good yes. sex with this man. And her house goes, and her house and her clothes all go from beige to colorful. And at one point, her mother is like, "Why are you all dressed bohemian?" Like, Alfred, they what do are, like, leave mean, her be. The like they start putting her in colors that look absolutely stunning on her um, when they move her out of like the the black, white, and beige. Yeah, him telling her she needs to relax. Also, all of the men in these movies, all both of the men she dates in these movies, need to not tell her what to do with her hair, especially the white man. But I didn't like when Blair Underwood did it either. They also like Simon Baker more so, but they're just kind of pushy. Like they're like, this is what we're doing now. Like now you're going to do this thing with me. Like I tricked you to do this thing with me by saying X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, what, what is with these men? Like they're like, I, there's a, there's an extent to which she gets not really talked down to, but like, and I, I know that the point within the Simon Baker relationship is that he is bringing out these things in her that are there. She just hasn't been allowed to explore them because of her, um, mother. her mother and that and that relationship. And I do think that that by the end, we get an interesting sort of view of like how a relationship 
can challenge you without changing you because I don't know that Kenya like ever really changes. She she keeps her ambition. She keeps her career. She can, remains driven. She yeah, there's she makes partner. There's no like, right, and she continues to like assert the things that she does and does not like. She just kind of like like her rough edges get softened a little. And and I I ultimately like don't have an issue with that kind of storyline at all. I think that what I struggled with at times was that this like the Simon Baker character needed to be softened a little bit. And I think we get there by the end. But some of the ways that like he talked to her, I was just kind of like. Telling someone they need to really relax is not going to accomplish that. Deep in a relationship, but certainly not when she's hired you to do a job in her home. Like, right. This is not your place, sir. You're the help, which is one point Donald Faison refers to him <laughs> as the help. Yeah. Um, uh, what was I going to say about? Oh, and then there are, and this again, like, this is the point, but there are some times where he makes some comments where you're like, white man, sit down. Like, yes. Yes. No, like, commenting on he asks if her hair is real which like again i guess it's 2006 but don't ask that right um and then she does take out her weave and lets her natural hair go and it's beautiful and whatever and then later uh blair underwood is like i like uh, pictures of you with long hair get your long hair back how about all of you stop and just let her have the hair she wants to have (laughs) yes i and the thing about the scene with the hair and again like part of what this movie is doing is exploring like how relationships are complicated by race. Right. But when she says like, you, you cannot say that to me. He like gets defensive and like, is like, well, sorry if I defended you, but blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, no, like for any women, but particularly for black women, like I feel like hair is very personal and very identifying. And there's an extent to which like, no matter where you are, like you could be married for 40 years. Like you don't really get an opinion about your partner's right. hair. And there is like, there's a, you know, we're, we're, the hair is representative of something in this movie. Yes. She has a straight, long, straight hair at the beginning of this movie when she's uptight and trying to blend in to her very white workplace. And yes. then as she becomes more herself, she, it, she lets it be natural and curly. And so I like what the hair is representing. I don't like that we're getting there because he's like, take your weave out. Like, Simon Baker, sit down. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, particularly from, like, the professional perspective, I think the hair is interesting. And there, I mean, obviously, like, I think that, I mean, I don't know about, like, within the black community, but certainly, like, in the broader community and broader society, we're having very different conversations about black women's hair and natural hair in 2021 than we were in 2006. Um, But, you know, the idea of like in a professional environment, the way that black women, you know, what they do to their hair in order to sort of like code switch into um, or assimilate into sort of like our Anglo-European beauty standards. Um, so, you know, like some of that in, is interesting and I agree like her hair is very much used in an interesting way. And I do think that for black women and again, this movie was written by a black woman like hair is deeply personal. There's a complicated relationship there. Um, and so she uses it really interestingly. But as a viewer, like 
it makes me sort of like step back from Simon Baker and be like, yeah, sir. And I do think it's an aspect of, I mean, there's so much aspects of this movie that you wouldn't, there's so much specificity about Kenya in her workplace and in her relationships that you wouldn't get if this movie was not written by, written by a black woman and directed by a black woman. Like, Mm -hmm. like the hair, like the conversations about hair and the conversations when they break up, in a grocery store, which is another funny, it's not a funny scene, but they do something about it that makes it very funny. Um, they're like having this argument in this grocery store because she's trying to close this deal. And this like asshole client keeps asking, keeps referring to her assistant or like the clerk, the filing clerk that's working with who he keeps like talking to that kid. Cause he's a white guy and he keeps asking her boss to step in. And the character, the boss is very interesting because he's a good guy. And he says to Kenya, like this guy's an asshole. And he keeps saying to the guy, like, no, no, you don't need me. Like, Kenya's can handle it. She's great. But at one point he says to her, like, that guy's an asshole, but but his business is important. So mm-hmm. I am I am going to, like, sit in on a meeting or whatever. And it's not because I don't think you can do it, but it's just because it's we serve the client. And it's that sort of weird thing of, like, oh, your boss is, is a quote-unquote good white guy. Like, he's a decent guy who sees what's happening here and is acknowledging that you that Kenya is capable and able to do the job without him, but still has to cop to the racist white guy. Like, we still mm-hmm. have to operate in the society where she's spoken down to and treated, like, lesser than or less capable because that guy, because the racist guy is making choices and I just thought it was an interesting way to be like look at how even this like quote-unquote good guy still has to you all still have to operate within this like racist society yeah it's almost like racist like systemic racism is bad for everybody right (laughs) well and then so she's like had a bad day at work and she's like trying to talk about it and Simon Baker is like can we have one night off from talking about race no bro we can't (laughs) <laughs> and he says something like And she not- says that to him. She says like yes. I don't get to take a break from talking about race because I'm reminded of it constantly. Yeah, it's a very good argument and I like the only way I knew to like relate to it is because you and I are not black women, but like I have had conversations where people are like not everything is about sex or sexism. Sometimes it just happens. And it's like but a lot of things are. And so like if a woman is telling you if a woman is telling you that something was sexist or she feels talked down to because of sex woman, sexism, and if a black woman is saying, I am dealing with this because I am both a woman and a black person, you don't get to be like, it's not always like that. Because you have absolutely no idea what it's like. Right. You get to walk through the world and not look at things or feel things that way. And again, like she does a very good job of being like, that's not an option for me. I don't get to take off my skin color or my gender. And you get to walk through the world without either of those uh, barriers in your way. Right. There's a scene where she throws a party at her house and he's essentially the only white person there with the exception of like the couple that's getting married. And he is trying to sort of like ingratiate himself into like various conversations. And he's clearly very uncomfortable because he is not, you know, a part of this culture and he is, you know, doesn't at times always like speak the language and all of these things. And it is such a interesting scene and it's such a well done scene because it shows then later what Kenya is talking about is like you 
like Simon Baker has never really considered his race. Not Simon Baker, but like the character, Brian, has never considered his race because he has never really been in spaces where he's the minority. And so then when he is in this space where he's the minority, I mean, due to his relationship with her, he feels it acutely. He feels uncomfortable. He feels, um, you know, excluded, like all of these things. And then so then later when she says to him, like, that that's how I feel every day, like going to work and right. whatever else. Um, I thought that like the the writer and the director use like the visuals really nicely to inform then the conversations that are being had. He says something to her in this argument in this grocery store about how like she is highly educated. She is financially well off. Um, she is working, he says, like, at one of the biggest, whitest firms in the country. He's listing all the ways that she's, like, as an argument to that she faces racism on a daily basis, he's all the way, he's mentioning all the ways in which she is sort of a person in power. And she has to be like, yeah, but I had to work, she says twice as hard. I'm going to go out and say, like, I had to work significantly harder, many times harder than I would have had to do if I was white and and or a white man. Like, yes, I have all these things, but it's because I've had to work hard for it and I pay a price for it on a daily basis. Yeah. And he just like has no concept of it. And like the thing about his character, and I get that we have to break them up. And because this movie is about uh, a mixed race couple, like we have to break them up. <laughs> on the problem of what on the challenges of being a mixed race couple. But it, one of the things I want to like shake him and be like, you don't get to argue with her on that. You don't get right. to come back and be like, no, that's not true. Cause you're successful. She's successful because of all those things. It's like when people are like racism doesn't exist anymore because we've had a black president and now we have a black uh, female vice president. So like racism is cured because look at all the things we now let black people do that we didn't before. And it's like, right. yeah, that we now let the, like, that, <laughs> that that they've had to work so much harder and face racism for. It just, it's a such an annoying argument. and But I also think it's something that, like, as white people, it's important to remember <laughs> when we step, when we say something that offensive or, you know, think in a way when we forget that racism exists on a daily basis, it's important to remind ourselves that it is not our job to argue back that it doesn't. Right. And it's just to, like, listen. What she needed from him in that moment was for him to listen to her, tell, like... Validate her. Validate her, and then, like, go have whatever dinner they're shopping for. Like, just be there for her, not sort of snap back with, can we have one night off from this? And the thing I really like about that scene is it's a very serious scene. They're having a very serious argument slash breakup and every they're in a they're in her neighborhood so they're in like a black uh, neighborhood grocery store so all the black people that in the grocery store that are passing them and the like looks they're giving him and the looks there's one guy that like walks between them and just like shakes her head like the extra work in that scene is so funny and well done yeah and i thought it was a really great way to in a comedy like add humor into a very serious scene without like detracting from the scene yeah. Um, I also think, like, the movie just does an overall, like, a nice job. And, and you know, I think that the Brian character, like, he is there for a purpose. He is there to be the voice of 
white people and say the things that white people say to black people that are frustrating and like missing the point. Um, And I think part of what this like movie is trying to say, at least kind of like what I took away from it is that there's an extent to which like black women may not feel, you know, like he says to her in the beginning, you need to relax. There's an extent to which like, Black women may not feel like they can relax in Mm -hmm. the workplace or in their relationships or in their style because of what they're working for and working towards and how you get that in a white supremacist culture. Um, And I think, like, ultimately what, what this writer is maybe trying to say is, like, Black women need to give themselves some permission to, like, also then take care of themselves and... Um, give themselves some freedom um, to do those things. And how frustrating it can be to have to assert and ask for that in a society that doesn't just automatically give it to you. Right. I remember the, the yes, I was trying to remember why I wrote yes, set boundaries because at the end of the movie when her boss is like, you're going to, you did a great job. She like tells the shitty racist guy not to acquire the company and you think she's like gone against her firm and is going to get in trouble. And then her boss is like, no, that's what we need. You made the right choice and you saved us from losing a bunch of money and you're an asset to this firm and uh, we love you. So you're going to be partner. And she says like, thank you so much here. I have one request. I want one weekend a month where uh, I'm unreachable. I get one weekend a month just to myself, which is so such a bare minimum. <laughs> it's like the lowest of low. It parts. is true. Like just for two days a month, you cannot call me. And our boss is like, yeah, like that's we can probably work that out because your request is so small. I hope that that's also a conversation that's changing, and maybe like COVID has helped with that conversation a little bit. But like, I feel like in 2006 we were still like in the heat of like hustle culture of like you got like you got to commit to the hustle and you've got to have like we're still there girl three different side gigs and all of that and like you know capitalism will save us and maybe we're beginning to see some of the tearing a part of that a little like you're hoping that if we were remaking this movie now she'd be like no all weekends a month i want all weekends a month (laughs) right yeah, so I can work oh, on my yes. Etsy shop or, you know, like, whatever. <laughs> so I can do my side hustle. No, so she can, like, watch her hot now husband, because, spoiler alert, they get married, landscape Mario. Yeah. <laughs> mom, mom is, our mom is trying to, is in the process of trying to uh, adopt a dog. It's all very stressful. But yesterday I had, like, responded to one rescue with some, like, it's a dog that she likes because she thinks it looks like Carrie's son, Ben, and so we have to get this puppy because it looks like Ben. <laughs> But I had responded to them, like, giving them more information and at, like, two in the afternoon. And then all day yesterday, she was like, did they respond yet? Why haven't they responded yet? And I was like, because it's the weekend and they're setting boundaries and we're going to respect that they're setting boundaries. <laughs> right. Also, because, like, they called for references. I sent them references. They're now calling these references. Relax, lady. <laughs> but I do, like, I have to actively remind myself that unless – I am being paid for my work on the weekends that I have the right to say, like, I'll get to this first thing Monday morning. Yeah. Um, I also want to just say, like, this movie, there's a lot in this movie that I feel like is not for white people. Like, there's a lot of, like, stuff about black culture and, and black neighborhoods and that's, like, just not for us. And I kind of liked that. Like, and I mean... Like, because 
we've talked over and over and over again about movies that are like so very white. Like last week we talked about has as good as it gets. Like like there was no reason that all those characters had to be so very white. Um and so it is nice isn't the right word, but like I appreciate that like I'm watching this movie and I'm like, I don't necessarily understand that reference or I don't necessarily like connect with that reference or I don't connect with that experience. And that's okay because 99.9% of rom-coms that are released by major studios speak to my experience acutely. I think what's especially lovely about this movie is not only is it, you know, an mostly black cast, but it this is a movie that's specifically about the black experience. It's not just a rom-com where we've written a story that could be played by any race of people and cast black people. Although certainly let's also do that. But this one is specifically about black people and a black experience and how a white man and a black woman have to navigate all that to have a successful relationship. And you and I can still watch and enjoy and empathize and take something with it, even take something from it, even though, uh, that there are references we miss or it's experiences we have not lived. Like people can, people have a vast ability to understand and, and black people have a right to go to the movies and see their experiences represented back to them. And white people should be able to go to those movies and enjoy them for the sweet, lovely rom-com this is, and also gain a greater understanding of the black experience. And I just think that's lovely in a rom-com. And they do. I mean, like, like people consume black content. Um, and so this idea that, like, somehow it doesn't sell or it doesn't work, like, I think we, we can put that to bed at this point. Like, this movie did pretty well critically. I think it did fairly well with audiences. Like, people still talk about this movie. There's also, we've talked about this a lot, but there's something really lovely and like so much of like movies that studios release that are about black people are they used to be I saw a tweet the other day was like they used to be slave films and now we've replaced them with like informant films like we tell a lot of stories of the black American struggle which again like the black struggle is such a important part of American history like it so it's important to tell those stories but also like how lovely is it when we get movies about just, like, black joy? Yes, this movie is about, like, what it's like to be a black woman in America and the challenges if you then fall in love with a white man. But it's also just a rom-com. It's also... Mm-hmm. They have sweet dates. They have good sex. It's funny. Like, it's also just joyful. Her friends are hilarious. Like, the female relationships in this movie are great. It's also just about black people finding their joy. Mm-hmm. And that's not really the story we get from black people a lot. We get these sort of stories about the struggles they've been through. And while those stories are important, we also are allowed to just watch black people be happy. Someone asked Daniel Kaluuya in an interview, did you see this? Mm -mm. Like it was about, they were, because he he just won a Golden Globe for Judas and the Black Messiah. And they were like, what kind of thing do you want to do next? And he was like, a rom-com. And I was like, yes. I would I would yeah. pay good money to see it. And I, I think his quote was like, I've made a lot of movies about like 
black pain. Like, Get Out was a movie like where truly the white people were trying to kill us. Like, Judith, he played Fred Hampton, a man who was murdered by the FBI at 21 years old. Like, he's playing these he's very important stories about black history in America and the black experience, but now he wants to do a rom-com and all I'm saying is, whoever makes that rom-com, please, for the love of God, let him use his natural accent. It is so cute. Yes. Every time Daniel Kaluuya, like, speaks, I'm like, oh, right. Yeah. And it makes him, like, 40 times hotter. He's already, been- like, a super attractive man. And then so- when his, he uses his real accent, you're like, oh, His, like, me. skins the accent. Is- <laughs> I've been trying to convince mom and dad to watch um, Widows. And I don't know. It's going to be hard to explain to them after watching Widows, like, when I bring Daniel Kaluuya home to meet the family when we're ultimately getting married. Um, it'll be hard to be like, he was uh, very mean in that movie. But see, he's very nice and has a cute British <laughs> accent. Um, you mentioned her girlfriends. I love a rom-com where there's, like, a gaggle of girlfriends that are funny. And, you know, we said, like, not most of them don't get to do much other than the one. But... There are some fun scenes where they're talking um, and, you know, I love that portrayal of like female intimacy or like when they're going out for drinks. Fucking if this pandemic is not over soon, I want to go out for drinks with my weird like Valentine's Day martinis they had. I was like, yes, I want it. Yes. Uh, Yeah, there's a fun like. Like, Taraji is, like, the funny, goofy, just go have sex and have fun, like, girlfriend. And then there's the one who's a doctor who's, like, this gets very... One point. Here's my one beef with this movie. Um, Kenya never apologizes to her friend for saying she dates married men. There's, like, the doctor who's dating but illegally... does she date married men? No, he's legally separated. This also yeah. came up on Real Housewives um, of Atlanta this season, where one of the women is like, I'm separated from my husband, which I'm dating. And then another woman was like, well, you can't be that. You're married. And I was like, she can't. They're separated. Like, and then it's also in this movie where she's like, well, he's legally separated. And they're, and they're like, he's still married. And it's like, no, but you can date someone. The point of separated is to date. I don't know. But then later she, when they're like arguing, she says something like, I'm not taking advice from you because you date married men. And it's like, you should apologize to her for saying that. If what we're referring to is a man who's legally separated. Maybe it got cut just like John Ratzenberger. <laughs> Maybe it just, it's, it's on the cutting room floor with John Ratzenberger. Um, and then her, like, main friend, Cheryl. One of the other scenes I really like is they're at this, like, black comedy club. Mm-hmm. Um, and A, number one, the comedian is just really funny. And she's talking about, like, being attracted to white men but not dating white men. And again, it's, like, comedy. And the point is that it's comedy very specifically for black people. Like, this is a black comic who's like making jokes for the black community and Simon Baker is there like enjoying it, but it's not for him. Um, And then Cheryl and Kenya like get up to go dance and Mike Epps like gives him a talking to about like Mm -hmm. his intentions with her. And it's like chilling. (laughs) Like, Oh yeah. Tell him. But also like, I think when I watched that movie, when I was younger, there was something about the character of Mike Epps that seemed like, in the wrong in that scene. And now as an adult with maybe in the wrong is right, but just sort of like, he's a nice guy. Like, why aren't you just like accepting him? Blah, blah, blah. And at watching it as an adult, I'm like, no, if I was a black person, I would also be very wary of like white people, particularly white men dating black women. Like, right. Not just because that, because of everything that this movie then 
experiences. And I think it's a, like she'll regularly say like she prefers to date black men, which like if a white character said, I prefer to date white people, you'd be like mm, racist. But from the black perspective, it's like, no, you prefer to date someone who you don't have to explain right. your experience to. Well, and then we see that bear out because like yeah. when she talks about like having to work extra hard at work or like what's going on at work at the point he that questions she's dating. It. He, right. Brian questions it, but when she explains it to Mark, who's the Blair Underwood character, he's like, oh, yep, I had that exact same thing happen two right. weeks ago. You know, so there, there's a, like, you get to remove that piece of the complication from the relationship. Like, there's a safety in it. Yeah. Um, and I like that scene where Mike Epps is just, like, a little protective. I I like that in that character. I like it makes me like his and Cheryl's relationship more. It makes me feel like, oh, you're a good man who not only loves this woman, but loves her friends. Mike, I want the Mike Epps and Cheryl relationship. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think it's sort of like, I I, I would be wary of, you, you don't want to have to explain your situation to other people. You don't want to have to explain the ways in which like, I, like, as a woman, I don't want to have to explain that sex doesn't exist. I just want someone to understand it. Unfortunately, I'm a heterosexual woman, so I will have to date men and constantly be explaining it. And I understand Kenya's thing. Like, it's just easier to date black people because I don't have to explain mm-hmm. that racism happens to me every day. Right. Yeah, I really like the Mike Epps character. And I think, the, like, he's not – he's probably a tertiary character, but he's flushed out really nicely. And the movie does a good job of, like, flushing him out quickly, which and I like. And he's funny. Yeah. yeah. He had some fun. I mean, yeah, Mike Epps is always hysterical. Yeah. That's also how I feel about Donald Faison, who yeah, I love. Jeff – I watched this by myself, but at one point, like, Jeff came in the room, like, right as Donald Faison was being introduced. And Jeff was like – Donald Faison just entering the room is funny. And I was like, it's true. Like, he just, he, like, exudes, it's also, like, just joy and humor. It's also 2006 or, like, peak Faison. Yes. Um, I just love it. He's very, like, this character is very, like, if Murray was grown up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and dumped yes. Dion because it turns out she's a Republican. Um, yeah. It's our second Donald Faison rom-com. That's what we need. We need it's our second Donald Faison rom com, but he's not been the lead either time. We need Donald Faison romantic lead. Yeah. I wrote unfair expectations for your children is generational. (laughs) Because the dad at the end goes into the women's bathroom and starts like explaining to his to Kenya like she's so frustrated because her mother she's worried about bringing this like white gardener into this like upper crust black society and her dad's like you're I was poor her dad who's now like the head of cardiothoracic surgery or something or maybe it's neuro he's a fancy doctor he was like when we first when your mother and I first got together like I didn't have a pot to piss in and your grandparents said that if she married me they'd disown her and eventually they came around and everything is fine and I was like oh the mother is just and that's the point like the mother has taken on the unfair expectations that her parents put on her and Mm -hmm. so Kenya's like I'm not gonna now do that I'm gonna go after the man I really love well and we see that a lot in movies where we're dealing with like wealthy families we talked about that in um crazy rich Asians and we've seen it and I mean I feel like it's kind of like a tale as old as time yeah um in movies where you're talking about wealthy families um, is that it's like this person didn't live up to it, but, and now like that's being perpetuated in this, in the next generation. And then they have like a cute little backyard wedding. I love a backyard wedding. In her beautiful backyard that he built for her. It really is a good backyard. 
I, you know, I gotta, I gotta, there's something about a rom-com with a landscape architect because what's that? Architects or landscape architects are the perfect male rom-com job. Yes. What's that horrible <sighs> Mark like Ruffalo Kevin movie? Yeah. We gotta talk about it that is a at some point. Ruffalo it is. Witherspoon joint. I loved that movie. First of all, she's a ghost the whole time. She's like in a coma. It's so stupid. I loved that movie. Like it probably came out around the same time as this. I don't know what it was in the mid two thousands when we were like landscape architects are the <laughs> thing, baby. We love a man who knows what to do with a flower. It's because he can like dig. <laughs> I yeah, mean, it they're... makes them like they're sensitive because they know about flowers, but also they're yeah. manly because they can dig out trees. Um, but I watched. Just like having like fairly recently, like probably within the last five years. And I was telling my friend Katie, who was my roommate at the time, I was like, it's so good. You're going to love it. And we watched it. And I was like, I was I remembered wrong. It's <laughs> I feel like I've had that rewatch of that movie where I'm like, why did I like this? The elements, the elements should be so good. It's Revelo. It's Witherspoon. I mean. Yeah. They're. They fe- they featured it in like the first movies we ever did on this podcast. Yeah. That's oh, bad. We won't be watching that next week. <laughs> what will we be watching next week? Or in two weeks, rather, we will be watching Runaway Bride to complete our Julia Roberts late 90s, mid-aughts rom-com trifecta. And we'll be joined by the women from the Three Gossip Girls podcast. So, and then also we'll be on theirs talking about um, I'm gonna have I have a lot of bold thoughts on Chuck Bass, so we'll link to that so you can listen to us on another podcast and then they'll come on ours. Yep. Where can people find us? You can find us on Instagram at hold underscore up underscore pod and on Twitter at hold underscore up underscore podcast. And you can go over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this and leave us a cute little review. We got some last week and they make us so happy. Mm-hmm. So please do that. Yeah. yeah. Bye. Bye.